Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. So uh, let's get started here. I was told that uh, lunch is going to be 1230, but we can uh, stretch out up to one o'clock. Is that we'll kind of, <laughs> is that okay with everyone if we need to? All right. Just want to check in first before I do that. All right. Okay. Uh, man, what a sobering message this morning from uh, Pastor Brian, isn't it? Uh, it is, uh, I know Brian for, for a long time and I was with Brian for a couple of years in, in London and uh, certainly can uh, relate maybe a measure of that. But, but now that my family's, you know, trusting the Lord to go, it's like, uh, it's, it's getting real, you know? Uh, and uh, I didn't even share this last night, but uh, you know, even in Vietnam, just 2018, uh, the, the government, you know, put a couple of pastors uh, in jail for 20 years, you know, uh, with the, uh, uh, you know, with the accusation of attempt to overthrow the government. 20 years, man. Uh, that's, you know, I mean, you know, it's not something you think about signing up for, you know. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, like James talked about when it's just you, I mean, you can kind of, as, as a dude, sometimes you can endure quite a bit. Uh, but when it, you know, when it's your family, uh, when I see your daughter, oh, my goodness, that's that's just something else. You can't. You wanna. You wanna fight at that point. <laughs> like, fist fight. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, very sobering. Uh, very sobering uh, message this morning. I hope. I hope you got from it uh, that that what Brian was essentially communi- communicating is that it's worth it. You know, you have to get that that message that it was, and it is worth it. And there was a lot of pain, but I'm telling you, there's, there's tears now, but there's going to be rejoicing, right, at the judgment seat of Christ because, man, he didn't give up. He has fought a good fight, and he can say that. He can say that. And uh, I love Brian, man. Make sure you go and, hug, you know, give him a hug. Uh, tell him that, uh, you know, you'll be his uh, daughter's friend, okay? <laughs> uh, man, precious. Okay, so... Uh, we are going to continue with part two of what we started yesterday. Uh, the the kind of overarching theme is how to start uh, an international ministry. And uh, so we're going to go uh, a, a couple of things. Uh, we're going to start off with maybe um, how do you get started uh, on campus? That, that's a question I get uh, asked a lot. So I'm just going to present that very briefly because, again, it's not just about uh, ideas Sometimes they may not work exactly like how you would do it. So, but I'll just briefly go through what, what it could look like. And then we're going to have uh, uh, testimonies again from three individuals. So we're going to have uh, I from Japan is going to uh, help us uh, with that. And then we're going to have Fom from Vietnam is going to do that as well. And then we're going to have Duncan uh, from Kenya is going to do that as well. So you're going to get a couple more uh, insights into the different, um, you know, uh, countries and cultures and hopefully that will help you and also uh, just around uh, you know mission focus we have a lot more people that are 
you know, they are part of the ministry from different countries. And, and if they're here, you know, uh, man, they're not all here, but, uh, but uh, you know, man, please talk to them, right? Then there's a lot more uh, that, that is not here. Sarah Lellis, is, uh, is she here? Sarah Lellis? No. Okay, she's from Brazil. She, you know, she can talk from Brazil uh, as well. And, um, and uh, we got uh, Linda uh, from Kenya as well. Okay, and then uh, we're going to talk about, the third thing we're going to talk about today is the cycle of ministry uh, during a semester. So our ministry is very semester-based because it's a, you know, college uh, ministry, although international students. So it's, it's always by semester because every semester uh, you have new students coming in. And so we work our schedule based on semester. And I'm, I'm going to walk through kind of what a semester looks like. And again, maybe a bit different, but this is how we do it. And you can kind of glean from, from that and do it differently. Um, in, in your area. And then finally, we're going to go back uh, to Nehemiah. Okay, I'm excited about that, uh, how, how God has used Nehemiah in my life. And hopefully, we're going to get more principles out of Nehemiah in terms of how to build a ministry, how to build a ministry. Uh, and then, and then uh, the, the, the last bit is we're going to uh, do a bit of Q&A. Hopefully, we'll have time for that. And maybe we'll have all the internationals come, come forward, sit here, and then we'll Kind of brainstorm a bit if you guys have questions. Uh, again, um, the, the, the theme is how to start an international ministry, but really a lot of these things that we're going to glean from Nehemiah, you can really use it for uh, all ministry, you know. So uh, let me pray because we, we need God to help us uh, to absorb uh, whatever that he wants us to, to have. And so let me pray and then we'll get started. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for, for this conference and for this morning. And uh, Lord, just again, how much uh, you have given through uh, the different speakers uh, that have spoken. And Lord, my, my heart is uh, heavy uh, after that message. And uh, just, uh, just seeing my brother hurt uh, makes me hurt uh, as well. And but knowing that it wasn't just all hurt, but there was rejoicing in, in that hurt. And so, God, I thank you uh, that uh, the fruit of the Spirit is joy, uh, love, peace, and, and on and on. And so, God, I thank you for uh, Brian. Uh, ask that uh, you would continue to just uh, be there for him as you have always been and with his family. And, uh, Lord, right now, uh, help us to be present right here in this room. Uh, Lord, please, would you bind Satan, remove any distraction that may take away anything that you may uh, have for us. And so would you soften our heart? Would you increase our faith right now that we may hear clearly from you and, and that the things that we learn, uh, Lord, that we could actually apply it in our life. And so please, God, uh, unless you move again, uh, and anything I say here would just be in vain. Uh, Lord, help us uh, to not just be a hearer of the word, but doer of the word. And, and so, God, I pray that uh, this whole thing, this whole conference, this message this morning will just provoke us, provoke us unto good works. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the question, uh, number one here, this question I get asked a lot, how do you get started on, you know, being on campus or having a presence on campus? And obviously, the first thing is that you got to have a campus close to where you minister, right? <laughs> It's kind of like a dub, but you gotta you gotta have that. And so, if you are within a proximity of, 
you know, 10, 15 minutes, the closer, of course, the better that is. But you do have to have that. Uh, and the closer, the better. And then the second thing is, uh, are they already existing students that come to your church that is from those campus, right? So people ask, how do you start? How do you start? You know, well, that would be the first bit, like, right, like who, who, who's going to school there? And, and then, and that could be that, that Lydia, that could be that connection that, you know, would, would, would allow you to kind of get some sort of traction on, on campus. Does that make sense? Right, just people that are already in your church that goes to a school close by and then you can start talking to them. They may not even know everything there is to know, but at least you can start inquiring. Like, hey, what is this? How does that work? How do, when do you guys do this? When do you guys do that? And, and so on. And so a lot of it has to do with fact-finding. Fact-finding. You're just fact-finding. You're just exploring what it is. And so, uh, so for us, we, we, we did, I, I, you know, the, the school that's down the road called UMKC here, I actually attended there. So I'm very, very familiar with the system uh, there. So I, you know, I have an advantage there, but if you don't, then just fact find someone who does and like, how does that work? When does student come in, where, where, where's the calendar on the website? Because most school will publish a calendar. They will have like student orientation is this, uh, first day of class is this and so on and different degree programs will have different kind of schedule, but you find out. And then as soon as you find out, then you, you can make those inquiry and connection and, and so student orientation is one one of the things that uh we uh we do you know and and we you know uh, at umkc and other uh colleges that we go to uh, they allow outsiders to be part of the student orientation like banks and other organization can come in and promote what they're doing have you are you, are you guys familiar with that in other states yes okay so, so that would be the first, like, how do I get into that student orientation? I'll try to find that out. And then usually it will be some sort of organization. And so you create that organization, right? So Friends of International uh, wasn't an organization. So we created Friends of International as a, a retail, as a cover to go into the university and say, hey, we're we a nonprofit organization and we wanna come help the students. And, and we really do, you know? And, and so that, that way we get a foot in and then we get a, the presence in and then during student orientation, uh, we get to promote who we are. And, um, uh, and, and I'll talk more. Um, oh, actually, I can I can talk about it now. And so student orientation would be uh, the, the first point uh, of meeting the students. And uh, unless you have airport pickups, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in the second uh, part of, of what, I, what I'm gonna say here. Okay, so, so, so does that make sense in terms of having a presence on campus? That you, you, any existing students that you know, and then uh, fact-finding, seeing how you can be on campus. And then number three, uh, you know, if, you know, if you're an alumni or you know an alumni that goes to that school, uh, many times you can just be on campus and meet with people. You know, and that's what we do unless unless we get kicked out, right? <laughs> uh, but but man, if you are just like uh, uh, wise as a serpent, harmless as, as dove, you, you kind of act like a student. You have a backpack. I mean, pretty much you can just walk around campus, no problem. Okay, I'm 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 41, and I can still pull it off. Okay, so if you're younger, uh, hopefully you can pull it off as well. Just be there, and I'm like, they, like oh man, I'm an alumni. I'm an alumni. They call me often to donate and man, I, I want to support the school. 
you know, so you can be on campus, walk around and, 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 and do that. And again, you want to not provoke any crazy conversation and be controversial. You don't want to be in big groups and then like, man, what is going on? You just be like two by twos. Uh, and don't be so obvious, right? And, and don't hold out like, okay, we're going to do a, you know, just be, you know, be relaxed. And, and, and the other thing is we were on campus already before we were a student organization. And we kind of just pushed the boundary. Uh, you know, we don't know what, what the answer is, but we just met at a cafeteria for about a year and a half until we were told like, hey, oh, you can't meet in here. Oh, okay, no problem. And then we, we became a student organization. At that point, we already kind of got the recruits that we need. <laughs> so, and so we were bona fide at that time. Uh, did, you did you raise your hand? Yes. That is correct. Now, uh, I would say there is the broader as well. The, so the broader would be just the local students. And, and because of uh, uh, COVID, uh, we crashed that party too. <laughs> you know, because, because last semester there was zero enrollment because of COVID. So it's like, oh, no ponds dried up. So let's go to the local pond and fish. You know, we are internationals and I guess Americans are still internationals and it's included in the world map. And so we, we would take any flavor. Uh, so we are not discriminating uh, with any ethnicity and nationality and all that. Uh, so yeah, so find out the, 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 the broad student uh, orientation, the international student orientation, and sometimes they combine it. So you got to fi uh, fact find, you got to find all that information you need in order to like, how do I get access to the campus? And, and sometimes they may be a administrative uh, person there that you can connect with and they can be very helpful. And so you have to use discretion on that. Uh, you don't want to typically start off with, we're a Christian organization and we want to be on campus. I mean, that, that may work, but so many times I find that uh, campuses can be very secular and when they hear that, uh, they are not especially welcoming per se, okay? We'll go into that later on uh, in Nehemiah. I'll tell you about some of the uh, oppositions that we get on campus as well. So that is briefly what it is in the Q&A. Maybe I can answer more specific questions uh, on that, but that's how we do it. And then we get some traction and then we start moving and then we got people and then, then we're a bona fide organization and then we have access to rooms, to uh, uh, money, you know? So we get we get some, some money to, to do God's uh, work on campus. How cool is that? You know, so uh, that, is, that is awesome. Okay, so um, the cycle of ministry, oh, it's already up, uh, during a semester. So ideally, this is what it looks like. It may, you may not start it like that, but if you can have access to all, man, please have access to all. Number one is the airport pickup. That to me is like uh, the goal uh, bit on on international ministry because you're meeting someone you know as you know the 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 figuratively they just arrived from the boat you know and they're just first time here and to get that access to that person to get that rapport immediate you know in the beginning man that trust is built you know they'll never forget you the person that that picked me up from the airport 22 years ago I never forgotten that person. I still remember the face and the smile and everything. And they weren't even Christians, you know? And uh, imagine, I mean, just the connection that, that you get from that. Brian was sharing uh, yesterday. That was like, wow, man, what a welcoming way to 
you know, people don't normally do that kind of stuff, you know. So for you to drive out 40 minutes, an hour to pick someone up and help them transition, it's, it's a big deal. Um, and, and, you know, uh, FOI, uh, Tampa just gave us access to like a killer software uh, that allows us to automate a lot of stuff. Um, if you're interested in that, I, I want to share that with you as well. It's, it's really good because there's a huge logistics in picking up students and, and who can pick up students because you don't want uh, just anybody, right, to pick up students, right? You, you need to kind of filter those people. So as the leader, you do have to filter people who are serving and so that you don't get into situations that, you, you know, that's not ideal. And so ideally, guys pick up guys, girls pick up girls, and all, all guys and girls pick up whatever gender uh, that, that you would pick up. And so that just, man, keep us blameless. Uh, and uh, so that would be, man, if you have access to that, that is awesome. Number two, we already talked about student orientation uh, briefly, but when, when we came into the scene, man, a lot of the stuff that was on the student orientation was, was pretty backward. And, and, and um, we purposely, intentionally did the best like setup. And so I, I just encourage you, if you do any student orientation, do the best you can right uh do the best you can and and for for a long while i mean we were like we had okay display please you know uh, our t-shirt you know we have like every we have like 20 people with foi t-shirts like it was very clear we have banners that are about what 10 15 foot and colorful we have boards we have colorful brochures that's done professionally uh, all for the glory of god Right, because man, we want to do all things with excellence because this is the God we serve, and so this is not just to do that for the sake of just being, uh, uh, you know, trying to sell something, but man, we want to honor God, and God should be honored in everything that we do. And so, people come to us because we, you know, the difference is there are other organizations that all they do, all they have is just like a cutout of an A4 that's in blue paper, and like, hey. Welcome to UMKC. Hope you can join us, right? And uh, we don't want to be that. We want to be friendly, right? We want to show ourselves friendly. And so all our people are trained to do the work. And, and, and man, we want to show ourselves friendly to people. We just want to welcome them in Jesus' name, but we don't actually say that, right? Uh, but, man, we want to welcome them. And then, and then after that, um, we have like things like uh, cultural exchange, um, and conversational English. These are ongoing things that we do uh, on a monthly basis. Again, to, you know, all of this, if you notice the first line, this is what I would kind of categorize as net fishing, net fishing, because there are just a lot of fish, right? And all you have time for is kind of meet and greet. And then if you have a bit more time, you can get into more, you know, deeper conversations and then maybe a phone number that you can contact with. But that's, that's what it is. It's net fishing. You can't really have time to get into more than that, you know. And so you, you, you got to kind of manage your expectation. If someone in your team comes with a zeal and they're going to share the gospel on that, on that net fishing, uh, maybe not the best idea. Now, I'm not saying you can. If you get, if someone walks into you and say, what must I do, right, then by all means do that. But it's very, very rare. You know, you're just meet, meeting people, greeting people. And the second line here, uh, dinner at my house and friendship partner, these are more kind of one-on-one. -on -one. 
if you can uh, go to the next uh, slide, please. Yeah, so dinner at my house. Uh, we, we used to do friendship partner. Now we do dinner at my house. And the thought is like, man, that's the, just the, one of the you know, most easy way to just have a bit more time with a person that's slowed down, right? Uh, we want to slow things down. Uh, so what better way than to just enjoy a meal together? And so, so dinner at my house, we do that. And we promote that in student orientation. We promote that uh, during the welcome party. Oh, I didn't even talk about the welcome party as much. Uh, the welcome party is, is, is what's the follow-up after student orientation. So the major theme, the, the fancy brochure would have everything that we have, planned, we have planned for the whole semester. But the first thing that we want them to be part of is the welcome party. And we make a big deal out of that. Uh, we got kind of free food, free activities, free games and all that. And then we all come in and just have a good time. And then we promote things like dinner at my house so that we can have the one-on-one -on -one follow up with people who are like, hey, I like the vibe. I like the people, I, man, I wanna connect. And then, so this is just another reason to help our people to engage. Cause you know, uh, you will notice that not everyone in your church may be comfortable engaging with international students. So, the, well, there you go, a reason. Hey, just sign up, just look for someone and invite them uh, to do something. Again, goes with girls, guys with guys. Uh, that's kind of the policy that we have and it worked out well for us. Um, okay, so, uh, so what would happen normally is we would get about 100 students and then, and then, and then we'll have um, maybe, you know, uh, student orientation, 100 students, and then about, uh, depending to the semester, anywhere from, from 70 to a, a 100 plus students come to our activities. And then from there, we get to share the gospel uh, with maybe you know, 30, 40 people. Um, and then from those uh, individual relationships, and that's why I focus individual relationships, we will see a couple of people come to Christ every semester. And, and then those relationships are not done, right? And, and some, some of the students will come to activities and so on. And then later on from those seats that were so, uh, they come to Christ too. So it, it is uh, to me, my goodness, what uh, opportunity that we have for those who are in America, man, you have this access. And we talked about uh, from yesterday, there's a million students that come to America every year. I mean, plenty, plenty. Okay, with that, I'm gonna turn it over to I. Yeah, you ready? Okay, I is from Japan and, and she's gonna share uh, with us uh, a, 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 a short testimony and, uh, and uh, just how do you effectively uh, minister to Japanese people, develop a relationship with, with Japanese people. Okay. Hi, uh, my name is Ai. I'm from Japan. So I just want to talk about yeah, the, my testimony of salvation. So I um, was born and raised in a group home and like kind of like open age because of my situation. So then uh, until I was seven, then God brought me a Christian family. And that's why I, I knew about Jesus and uh, because of also my, uh, my dad is pastor. So he, every time we had uh, like a devotion time and read the Bible story. And 
one night I remember um, I wonder like where I'm going after I died and uh, he clearly mentioned like from the Bible like uh, share the gospel with me and then I just wanted to believe what my foster parents believed so and I could see uh, the love of Christ through them how they treat me and uh, uh, love me and just wanted to believe but um, I struggle a lot with my identity because of uh, foster and I always thought I was poor and compared to my friends like oh they have a perfect family well I go to when I go to church and see my uh, friends always they have like oh they, they look really perfect and always uh, yeah I felt that and and before I graduated uh, from high school I just wanted to leave and uh, from church and friends or family and started wanted to start a new life and wanted to even though I know I knew that I was saved but I was really afraid of um, yeah or um, worry about um, my identity and wanted to forget then I can maybe start a new life and but I prayed to God like I know that this is something wrong and if I'm doing something wrong please uh, like uh, make my way like clearly and through a camp uh, God told me that I don't have to like focus on like my old identity and I don't have to um, I have a new life in Christ and so that's all I need and then after that basically like oh yeah I don't really have to like compare to other people or stay with my like identity like as a foster but I have a new life in Christ and I have a father so then like I my like fear just gone and oh like wow <laughs> so that's why um yeah that's my um yeah testimony and then I came to Kansas City um, through my my pastor in Japan. He introduced me to uh, a church and um, a Bible college. So that's why I came here. And uh, first semester, I went to Penn Valley and I met Miyoko uh, on campus. And he said, that's not a good campus, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, at the time I had a church, so I told her, no, I have a church, so I don't, I can't go, but I can just go to FOI. So I met the Simming, I remember Simming, and they are so nice, and wow, they're so like, lovely people. And, but I told her, no, I, I don't think I can go to church. So then, um, but, um, uh, two years passed and when I saw my life I realized that I, I'm not really growing and I'm not really like um, see people getting saved around me and thought about like maybe I should look for a church and that was I think the hardest time for me because my pastor introduced me to church and I didn't want to leave but I thought this is not the best place so 
then I remember that five people and thought maybe I should go to the church if five people go. So then uh, visited uh, MVT uh, summer 2019 and God clearly showed me that you, I needed to be disciple. I was a Christian for a long time, but I never been discipled. So it was really hard. Like, I, like yeah, but it was so good. At the same time, I, I, God gave me a place to grow. And yeah, so yeah, that, and yeah, how the Japanese people. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, so Christianity in Japan is less than 1%. So I, I think many people don't know about what Christian looks like and what they believe. Or So if they come to the United States, maybe you'll be the first person, like a Christian friend. So, um, and they, they, they love hangout, but I, I, I believe that they love like a small group and a more in, intimate friendship. But they, I, I know if they come to, come here, they, as an extent student, maybe they prefer to hang out Japanese because they're comfortable. But um, I, I believe they love to uh, talk about their life or talk about what they believe or what think about. Uh, yeah, so um, they love, I think, they love shopping and food is a big thing. So uh, hang out. So yeah, just uh, try to be intentional uh, to build friendship and uh, like individual. And uh, yeah, I think that's. Uh, And if you guys have questions along the way, whether it's the Pastor Mary, Pastor Say, or the preaching, write down your questions so that you can hear Um, hi, my name is Foam. <laughs> I lost my track. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to tell you how FOI has impacted my um, my life in the past few years. So I was born and raised as a Buddhist for my whole life until 17 years old. And most of Vietnamese are either Catholic or a Buddhist. Um, so for 17 years of my life, I never heard a full presentation of the gospel in Vietnam. All I knew was from a movie, <laughs> Jesus movie and uh, a comic book, and then from two Catholic friends. So Catholic, God can use Catholic to sow the seed, but I don't remember what they say, but there was one, <laughs> one, one specific conversation um, in elementary school that was my, my best friend. So we were taking a nap, but we did not. So we talk <laughs> and we talk about hell. She said that, you know, in Buddhism, your hell has like, seven floors or 13 floors, but we only have fire. 
And so at that time, in in my mind, I was like, wow, only just fire. So, um, but that's how Vietnamese think of uh, spiritual um, conversations. It's a lot of, uh, they, they know a lot about hell. They mention a lot about hell rather than heaven. So growing up, it almost like, I it seems like I have no hope, you know? Um, and um, so in 2013, I came here to study at GMKC. The first couple that came to pick me up at the airport were Christians and they were so nice and they helped me settle down in my hotel. And like Andrew say, um, I can never forget who they were or the first impression. Um, and then um, I met a Vietnamese who, were, who was the fruit of this ministry. She, um, she met with me and then she invited me to church right away. And I, uh, I've been here since then. And so, um, but shortly afterwards, she left to another country. Um, but before she left, she told me to stick with, um, with a sister here, with a sister in Christ at, in FOI and stick with those people because they were so kind. So just stick with them. So knowing nobody, so this is like a lifesaver. So I just, I just decided to stick with them. And tr truly, like what she said, uh, they helped me from transportation. Sometime randomly, I would just call my uh, that that sister and say, "Hey, can I have a ride to this and that?" So she just helped me moving. Um, and later, she became my discipler. Um, so she. Um, she was very zealous. Um, I knew her objective was to to tell me about God, to help to to help me to want to to know about God, but I cannot uh, say no to her because she's been helping me, and I I want that help. Um, and so uh, later on, she also found me a host family where uh, people the family also went to this church. So basically I'm clover up with church people all around. How can I escape, you know? <laughs> um, and then eight months after I've been coming, it, it took eight months uh, for me, for God to break me down to the point that I, I need to recognize my sin and re repent it from that. And so I accepted him um, uh, in my room, crying out to call on his name for the gift of salvation. And, um, and then I couldn't hold my peace. <laughs> I tried to be quiet, but then I cannot. So when I went to Bible study, at the end of Bible study, I told Pastor Andrew and his wife and other people that, hey, I got saved. And they were like, oh, okay, let, let me make sure. <laughs> let, let's talk through it again. And, um, and then I, I cannot I cannot forget what what um, his wife told me, Rachel. She said that you know we just prayed for you before we came to this Bible study that you would get saved, and because you you've been coming for eight months, what are you doing? <laughs> and um, so these people were genuinely rejoicing, uh, and uh, just the joy and the peace and the love were just genuine sometimes uh they don't discourage me from coming because i am not a believer uh, they will allow me to come um 
So after I got saved, I'm already used to going to church and everything. <laughs> and so everything just clicked. So I started ministering in, F- in FOI ministry. And then one mission focus, uh, a preacher preached about Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and uh, in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So um, basically I need to witness where in Jerusalem first, where, I'm, where I am and then to the outer uh, area and then finally unto the uttermost part of the world, um, which was Kansas City. But it also hits me that, oh, I need to minister to my own family and I need to minister to Vietnam, my own cultures, um, the my uh, faces that I know the best <laughs> appearance and just cultures that I know and language that I know. So in that year, I told my pastor that I want to um, be a missionary in Vietnam. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, but you told me that, you know, it was actually our leader's vision for FOI that uh, international student would come and catch the vision and be sent back home. And so everything just come into place, how God works. Uh, it's just, his thoughts is very deep. His works are uh, marvelous. Um, so since then, God put into my heart to pray because I don't know what to do. <laughs> and so looking back, prayers did more work than my actual attempts um, to carry out his work. And then by that time, God brought Yumi, another faithful Vietnamese, and he's, she's already in Vietnam. <laughs> Um, so in 2017, the Pearsons decided to go to Vietnam and Midtown was uh, planning to have a team going there. Um, so uh, just all came together and I, I came and asked him again, will we have any mission trip? <laughs> I, I don't think it was him leading, it was Chris Best and then it got, got made it happen. <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, God is amazing. Uh, since then, we started taking trips to Vietnam every year. Um, how to reach a Vietnamese, uh, in summary, prayer and relationship with God, because the love for God is actually really attractive. Uh, I saw that from these people and from that love actually encouraged or motivate them to love people unconditionally. And that is so attractive. Um uh, and from that point, you have intentionality to, to go. Um, and then airport pick up uh, a gold mine fresh off the boats. You can be bold to ask them to go to church because um, they will often say yes. They know nobody else <laughs> but you. And also that um, they, it, it's like a cultural American experience. So they, they want to, at least you have one shot. <laughs> Um, because after that, they will be caught by different events and other people. Um, and then support real needs. Uh, we need to be like Rebecca, uh, be willing to draw water for 10 camels, uh, go all out, um, give them a ride home, uh, give them uh, to every place, uh, not bad place, but uh, like show them where to get SIM card, like basic stuff, grocery um 
and hang out. They need friends. Um, and then if the spirit is not leading, uh, don't mention about their religions in the first meeting, including Catholicism. Um, a voice drives because they will put up a wall immediately and close a door. And that is that is worse. Um, because you, you want to win the heart first and you know Buddhism and Catholics and these are just stronghold and you need to pray uh, just to unblind the blindness. Uh, but there will be a time they will ask. <laughs> so then that's, that's when you're fully ready. Um, and uh, you, you're ready to gain their trust and speak the truth. And it is an elder honor culture. So if relationship gets closer, ask them about their family, show them that you care for their family too and encourage them to say nice things to their parents to honor um, most surprisingly most don't have good relationship with their parents um, you want their hearts first and you want their parents hearts <laughs> in case you want to convert them <laughs> uh, get a job on campus if you can so god blessed um another sister and me with a job at the language department where every international student had to take a test uh, at our place first before they can go into the academic school. So I, we met them, uh, first of all, so many invitations were passed out to FOI events and uh, at least that's the first contact and then just many opportunities. So, yeah, thank you. So yeah, my name is Duncan. I'm from Kenya. I don't know if I should stick to this. Sorry, I'm, I'm gonna try to make this quick because uh, it's 12:10 and we still need to hear from Nehemiah. So I'll just hold this. Um, but yeah, I was born and raised in Kenya. Lived there for 17 years, and I'll try and talk about Kenya and Africa because most of the countries are almost the same. Um, there's like 55 countries. Most of those are Christians and Catholics. And I grew up in a Christian home as well. Um, so I heard the gospel and I thought I was a Christian whole time. And, you know, my mom, I went to church with her and uh, I was in a boarding school, which was Catholic. So I, was, I saw both sides, but I didn't really, I was indifferent. I didn't really care about it all, I think. Um, but I fast forward, I come to Kansas City 2017 and I was going to a Kenyan church, which is in Overland Park. And I felt right at home, you know, it's the same thing and just a smooth transition uh, to the U.S., which was, I think it was a good thing for me. I was in, there's no like culture shock or anything. And then a few months later, got invited to Midtown by Mel, which is of F, people of FOI, right? And I remember my first Sunday uh, that I came and man, walking through the door, I saw Carlos and Elijah, they were sitting in the back pews and, you know, they looked at me. It was like a, the face, like long time no see, bro, you know, but I don't know these dudes, you know? <laughs> so, man, yeah, I, I knew that that was genuine. Um, and then got invited to lunch with Andrew Wong and Blake Sidebottom and his disciple Bobby and a few other people. And some of the things I remember from that day, you know, it's not like I heard the gospel that day, but questions that Andrew was asking, you know, it's, it was out of interest. You know, it's like, so what's your story, you know? Usually it's, it feels transactional. Say, like, so what do you do? You know, you go to school, what are you doing? What's Kenya like? And then that's about it. What's the weather? But man, it was more than that. And I could tell. Um, but one of the questions I remember that he asked me since I said I was saved is, man, oh, you're saved. That's, that's, that's great. So, you know, if I was your friend and I, I'm not saved, 
and I want to go to heaven like you, what would you tell me? So basically, he asked me to share the gospel with him, and I didn't know how to share. So that's something that I had to think about, and he invited me to Tuesday night, and I kept coming back. I was going to my other church, but I still came back, came back every Tuesday night, and April the 17th, 2018, that, that was the day that, man, we just went through Romans Road, and you know, for the first time, I get to see all of the sin that I had. Um, you know, I thought I was a, I was a good boy, but I wasn't. And, um, you know, even until now, things are still being revealed about myself and uh, how I'm still in need of Jesus. It's not like once you get saved and then that's it. Just read your Bible and that's about it. But now we always uh, need him. Um, so anyway, how to reach um, Kenyans and most Africans, I guess, like Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal, those are almost the same. Um, I would say genuine relationship, same as most of the people who shared yesterday with Asia. You can, you can smell out when somebody's just trying to ask questions because they're trying to find out about your culture. But if it's genuine friendship, you can always tell. So I'd advise just being super intentional and just seconding what Fom was saying. Prayer has to be prior to that. I can only imagine these guys prayed before they talked to me, you know. Um, second thing would be Yeah, genuine friendships, that's what I have on there. And um, I think what worked for me was just, you know, thought-provoking questions, you know, softly and tenderly, though, right? Because um, most of us are, they've heard the gospel, and they think they're saved. Um, so if you're trying to share the gospel, it's like, yeah, I've heard that, I believe, and we're done, you know? So just asking questions that will have them think and obviously praying for them. Um, and, man, I thank God for FOI and... I mean, I was not picked up from an airport, but it's out of their faithfulness to do the work, you know, on campus and off campus that I get to be here today, too. Uh, so, man, these men are the same here on campus and off campus. And, yeah, I got discipled by main kit and, man, just growing. So that's my testimony, I guess, like a minute or two. Thanks. Okay, so I... I I think you kind of, you know, after hearing like six testimonies already throughout uh, the two days, I think you see a common theme here, uh, which is, you know, genuine, right? Genuine relationship. And, and I think that that's hopefully what you take away from that. And then, uh, and we only can get genuine relationship if we have a genuine relationship with our father in heaven. Amen. That's the only way we can do that. Okay. So now uh, we are going to jump back into um nehemiah nehemiah okay all right so i feel like i need to pray again you guys you guys awake you guys okay okay good good i i i i don't know i i went to bed at like 11 ish and then and then i uh woke up at like two ish thinking it was like six o'clock and i was like ready like oh yeah man i'm i'm fresh what do something and and i'm like oh no i'm that person that that when i wake up i wake up i don't go back and so i'm like oh no but i can't it's like three hours i know i'm not gonna survive the next day so lord please help me and then you know 40 minutes i'm just laying there and it's not working <laughs> so, so, so so i went and took a shower and tried again so anyway i think i got maybe four hours so uh, so pray for me. So if, if what I say doesn't make sense, okay, 
uh, will blame it on the sleep, but I know God can still use me and, uh, and the Spirit can speak to your heart. Amen. So let's pray and then uh, ask God to do the work. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for the testimonies. I pray for, for all of us. Lord, give us attentive ears. And uh, Lord, help me uh, that I may be clear and, and the things that uh, need to be spoken uh, will be spoken. And Lord, would you have uh, just uh, have all of me and, and, and speak through me. And uh, Lord, may you get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the first slide here is a summary of all the key points that we had yesterday. And so we're not going to go through all of them. Uh, but I, you know, if you, if you were here uh, yesterday, can you raise your hand? Uh, and, and then, okay, some of you weren't here. Uh, maybe you can take a picture of this, but I do want to challenge you guys uh, from all the key points here uh, that, that, that God wants to use us to make a difference. Okay, God wants to use you to make a difference. You know, the word uh, uh, Nehemiah, you know what it means? It means Jehovah comforts. Isn't that a cool name? Nehemiah, Jehovah comforts. And, and so from the very get-go of this book, you're, right, we were dealing with a group of people that was in what? Affliction and reproach, right? And, and that's what the lost people are, are, you know, dealing with. You know that there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain. That also applies to Christians. Right, Christians that are living in carnal life and, and their life are also broken because they're not following the precepts that God has already laid out. We saw that right in, in, in Nehemiah. And so God is waiting for that person to rise up, right? You guys, right? Me, right? Uh, to, to, to hear a news and like it cannot, like it burdens us and we cannot like, let go of that and we need to come to God knowing that only God can make a difference. So I just want to uh, just put that charge out there to you guys so that when you remember this is the whole point of the mission focus, right? Is that God wants to use this mission focus to provoke us, right? To, to not settle for anything less than what God has for us. And God wants to use you to build up like people, right? You and, and build up uh, society and, and, and help with your family and, and, and who knows, God may use you to help build up a nation. And that's the context here in Nehemiah. So, so that is a summary from, from yesterday. And uh, we'll go to the next slide here. Uh, okay, can we? Yes. Thank you. Okay, so we, we kind of stopped at Nehemiah uh, chapter uh, 2. And verse 4, that's where we kind of left off. Uh, if you remember, uh, Nehemiah uh, prayed, fasted, and everything. And, and he waited on the Lord. Remember that? He waited on the Lord. He didn't push an agenda. He didn't push an agenda. He waited on the Lord. And what was how God answered that? Remember? How did God answer that? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> oh, man. Come on. <laughs> All right. Remember his countenance? Oh, there, yeah. yeah. Okay. Remember his countenance, right? When he went to his job, he was the king's cupbearer, right? He was the king's cupbearer, and he couldn't maintain his countenance. It was so sad. And the idea there and the key point there was that God broke his heart. That process of praying and waiting on the Lord, right? When God, when God. So it's like sometimes we pray those prayers like when, when, why is nothing happening, right? Why is nothing changing? You know what God is waiting for? 
It's for your heart to change. It's for my heart to change. That was the due time. That was the due time. The due time was when he went to work as a king cups bearer. His countenance could not, he couldn't fake it anymore. It was genuinely sad. It was genuinely sorrow of hearts. The king was right. He couldn't hold it anymore. And he had to bring out his burden. Yeah. Yes, king. Yes, king. You're right. You're right. I'm burdened. This is what's going on, king. And it was real. Can you imagine the expression he may have had that time? It was really real and probably tears in his eyes as what's happening with that community, community there at Jerusalem. When people see that, people can empathize with that, right? And, and so the king did because God gave favor to Nehemiah. And so, 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 then the next question here in verse four, then the king said unto me, for what dost thou make requests? For what dost thou make requests? And we kind of ended with this, uh, uh, this idea of, you know, how, 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 how much should I ask? Should I go for the whole burrito? Right. Oh, I say enchilada. I don't know which one. Both, I think. Right. Should I ask for everything? Because Nehemiah's been thinking about it. He's had planning. He's like thinking of everything that he, he could do. You know, if the king would just give him favor, I could do this and that. But then at the time, like how much do you ask? Right. Because you don't like you don't want to seem to be too greedy. Uh, and then we saw that Nehemiah, what? He prayed to God. He prayed to God on the spot. God, how far can I go with this? And God says, all the way. And he, he, he asks, and so that's where we, uh, that's where we left off. And okay, so let's read uh, verse, uh, verse 5 to, to verse 8. And I said unto the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulcher, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be? And when will thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. So you see, it, it implies here, Nehemiah already thought it through. He already had that timeline figured out, was able to give an answer to the king. Uh, moreover, I said unto the king, if it pleased the king, let letters be given uh, to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. Okay, so now he's asking uh, for protection because it's a treacherous trek. Uh, it's, it's going through modern uh, Iran and Iraq. And, and of course, it wasn't Iraq and Iran at that time, but there is a lot of different people groups and, and it is not an easy trip. And so he wants protection, right? And he already asked for resources. And then, and then finally in verse eight, and a letter unto Asaph, and a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house and for the walls of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me, right? And, and, and so this is, this is a cool part. Not because of him, but according to the good hand of my God upon upon me. You see that? That is so key because that answers the question of where did this favor came from? It came from God, right? And, and, but but how, did it, how, how did it begin? It began with a person that was burdened for this group of people and, and, and came to his knees to pray and, and, and waited on the Lord to, to help himself to be molded by God. And now God's favor is on him. 
right? He asked for everything and he got it. And Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart, right? God wants to give the desires of thine heart, but, but, but here's the key thing, it's according to his will, not according to my will. And you know what? That's a crazy thing. Like his will is the best for us. And that's what we forget a lot of times. Like, oh, but what about, you know, I got all these opportunities, right? To do, to better myself, to do all these things. I got career. I got all these dreams, hopes, and everything. And, and we forget that actually God's will and his timing is always the best, right? And, and now God is giving the desires of his heart to Nehemiah. And so key point number one, to relate this back to a ministry, if you're trusting God for ministry, then you should ask God for the whole thing. Ask God for a ministry vision, a ministry approach, right? And then ask for a team because, man, he, he, he asked for everything. Why not? God, I, I can't do this work. The work is too great. There's too many people. There's too many international students. There's, there's a lot of work to do. I, I need a team, God. I need a vision how to lead this team. And then I need favor from you. I need the resources. I need the finances. I, Lord, Lord, I need a general plan. I need to know all that, right? And so, so why not? Why not ask everything from God? Because he's a good provider. He wants to give you all those things. And so as you start a ministry, man, begin to just ask God for all those things. And, and so, you know, uh, you know, I look back and I, I can see those are the things that I ask for. You know, I asked God for a, a vision, right, for the ministry in terms of how to approach the ministry. I shared with you already. It was Acts 2, 41 to 47. Acts 2, 41, 47 was the ministry approach I took, and it was based on the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, right? It was based uh, on, on um, uh, prayer, and then it was breaking of bread. And so those, those three, or if you want to say four things, was the pillar in, in which how we approach ministry because what we see very evidently from Acts 2.41 to 47, it was genuine relationship. You can't deny that. And it's so crazy to the point that people at that time was able to sell off stuff that they have and give it to a sister and give it to a brother. Right. I'm not saying that we, we all need to do that, but if you need to, if God asks you to do that, are you willing? I mean, now, what if you are part of that kind of community? Would, would that be something cool? Now, if you're a student, that would be really cool because you don't have anything. <laughs> right. But if you're like ahead in your career, like, I don't know what else, that community, so I'm <laughs> expected to give. <laughs> right. But, but if you're in that community of people that, that sacrifice for one another, do you, would you want to be part of that community? Man, absolutely, I want to be part of that community. And that is what God's word, fellowship, prayer, and breaking of bread did for those people. And, and yet sometimes we find ourselves in communities, right, where we can't really know whether you're going to get my back. Christians, churches, like if, if everything falls apart in my life, who is really with me? You know, those questions are real questions because, and so what, what happens if we, if we start building plan B, plan C, you know, backup plans and everything. And so we make sure that we would put 
some kind of wall around us that we would not be completely vulnerable or transparent or allow too much love because then I have to give love and, and, and then it's uneasy. Does that make sense to you guys? Right? A community where, man, it's just going to church and, hey, good to see you. But really, there's, there's nothing more to that. It's, it's very surface level. You're trying to get deeper. But then when everyone is not giving and then you're like, why should I? Why not just hold it back for me? Right? And, and I'm telling you, that is, that is dangerous. That's really bad. And that's carnality. And that's what we, 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 we strive to fight against. God, you, 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 you died for me. You paid everything for me. And God, why am I so selfish? Why am I so selfish? Why am I always thinking about myself? And, and we have to fight that every day. Every day we wake up and we have to like, do I follow God's will or do I follow my will, right? Because my will is always self-preservation. It's always me first. And as a result of that, you are, me, are part of the culture of the community you are part of. What if someone says, hey, you know what? I'm going to step out and be that person, right? Be that person who gives rather than takes. Can you imagine the difference that will make in that, in that dynamic of that Bible study group, right? In, in that community that you're part of, man, it would change things. Like, wow, this is what I want to be part of. You can, be, you can be that game changer for that community. So that's the vision that God gave. And, and, and man, I, I'm preaching. I, I mean, like I'm beating that drum almost every other week. And until and, and today, we're doing that, if you will. Because carnality doesn't improve, <laughs> right? My carnality hasn't improved. I'm capable of doing uh, bad things even today if I do not keep myself in check, right? And then team, you know, team, we got to have a team. And, and so God, you know, slowly uh, gave, gave, gave me a team and people come and rally together because they start to see the vision. And then when the fruit came and, and I asked God for favor, in one week, I remember uh, seven Koreans came to Christ. In one week, and, and, and that's got licensed as a minister and uh, man, immediately dunked them, you know, with, with Dan Renault. Uh, you guys know Pastor Dan Renault, uh, Living Faith. And so bo- both of us got licensed at the same time. And we, we got to dunk like eight, nine people uh, that, that Sunday, you know. And that started something because like, whoa, what's going on? And, and, and college and young adults group at that time was, was just like 10, 10, 15 people or maybe less. And it, it was mainly uh, made up of um, the people from the City Union Mission. So kind of, uh, I don't know whether you're familiar with City Union Mission, kind of people that are struggling with alcohol and so forth. So that was the group. Uh, but when God started bringing this harvest because we prayed for fruit, oh my goodness, it changes everything. Bible study began. I think that was maybe the first Bible study <laughs> in Kaya and FOI because we got fruit and we're excited and people rallied together. So you got to ask for a team, ask for favor, and which is fruit, relationships. We had that. And then, and then we had a general plan. We had a general plan. And, and I already mentioned all those plans that we had and those develop over time as, as we see what the opportunity uh, presents itself. We meet that need. And, and so ask God for all those things. And God is willing and able to do that. Amen? We see that very clearly in Nehemiah chapter 2. God is like, man, yes, 
ask, ask for everything, and I'll give it to this pagan king. Isn't that cool? And now, I mean, like UMKC, they're paying some of our bills, you know, for ministry. Hey, hallelujah. Okay, so, so, um, so we asked, and then if you can go to the next slide, I mean, look at one of our, our welcome party uh, uh, in, in the early days. I mean, we had maybe 140 people stuff in one house. I mean, that was pre-COVID time. And so uh, no, no worries there, but man, man, more than we could even handle. I mean, really it's too much. <laughs> it's really too much. Cause at the time it was just like, yeah, it was just trying to, yeah. It was hard, but it was good at the same time because people saw like, wow, this is awesome. God is moving. So God can do abundantly, exceedingly beyond what we ask and think and imagine. And so, and uh, you can see here as well. Uh, so, so let's, let's move forward to verse 10. Okay. So we see God gave everything that Nehemiah asked for. He gave him the right passage to go. He gave him the letters so he can hand to different people and say, hey, I'm, I'm from Arda Success. He, 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 he gave me the green light, let me pass, and he's cool and everything, and made this trek of 1,800 miles. I mean, no planes, no rails, and did that, right, with, uh, with, with some, um, some, some captain of the army and horsemen. And so God gave that, 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 all that to Nehemiah. Now, verse 10 I want to introduce to you Sanballat. Sanballat. Okay, let's read that. When Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Okay, so you, you got to know. I mean, uh, words have meanings. Names, many times in the Bible, has meanings. And you, guess what Sanballat means? Sanballat means enemy in secret dun, dun, dun. <laughs> enemy in secret okay who who is enemy in secret if you oh yeah obvious right I, I mean just in that name itself you know what's going on right this is a spiritual book make no mistake old testament gives us a lot of picture of what's going on in the new testament remember we are we are not fighting a physical warfare here was fighting a spiritual warfare and many times stuff happens imagination happens thoughts happen all right in secret why what happened i was cool yesterday i came out of mission focus i was like yeah and then next day it was like all oh, discouragement what happened right and, and so we're gonna look at sand ballot a bit here and just kind of know the devices of the devil Right and and really, uh, Sanballat has other minions. So you know, uh, uh, you know, Satan doesn't work alone. Now he's not omnipresent, so he has to have these minions that came down with him. Uh, you know, when when things didn't work out in heaven. Okay, so there's quite a few of that. Okay, and we, we see that represented uh, in in these verses. So I'm gonna just introduce you to the 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 this enemy in secret and his minions. So one thing you need to know is that just the idea, the idea that someone is coming to seek the welfare of the, of the children of Israel, it grieves the enemy. Did you see that? It grieves the enemy. So man, if you just have the idea of wanting to do something for God, I mean, it's just inception and you're just, man, your, your heart is getting stirred and mission focused and like, yes, yes, I see God. Oh, man, I, I, I want to trust God for more. 
oh, the enemy is like, huh? Okay, really? Really? You're thinking about that? I mean, it grieves the enemy. That's the first thing you see, okay? And then fast forward uh, to um, verse 19, okay? So now, now this is fast forward to where, where they are trying to then inspire the people to do the work now. They're trying to inspire the people to do work. And we see that, that uh, let's read verse 19. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite and Gershom the Arabian heard it, they laugh us to scorn and despise us and say, what is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Okay. And so now, now the, it is more right in your face. Now it is kind of laughing you to scorn. Who do you think you are? And, and why would you have authority to do this? And in fact, he, he, they did have authority from King Artaxerxes, but he is trying to put fear into the people that was getting inspired, you know, because like, oh, did Nehemiah really have authority? What if he didn't have authority and we do this and then the king will come and get us? You see that? Right, so he's he, man. The enemy is already starting to put fear into the people. It's like, yeah, I, I want to do something. I want to do something because verse eighteen, he, they say, uh, "Let us rise and build." That's what Nehemiah. Uh, that's what they say. So they strengthen their hands for this good work. They're ready to do the work, and that right after that, Sanballat, the enemy in secret, comes along and say, "Who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing here?" Right. So, so know that those things come. And not only that, this time he recruited one more dude. And this is the Gershom. His Gershom. Gershom wasn't there before. Now he's, he's, he's there. And then fast forward to chapter four, chapter four, verse one. Okay. So now, now they are, uh, uh, they, they, they started the building process. They, they, they completed some of the walls already. And so verse 4 and verse 1, it says, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now, again, now they got one more guy. Now, uh, oh, actually, no. Uh, now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they built, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Do you see the, the picture there? He's making mocking and accusations to the work that they have done. Now, the work hasn't been completed, but they're saying, Man, wh what do you think you guys are doing? Right, and, and the things that you would do, it wouldn't even work out anyway. And I want us to, to think about what kind of I was, was referring to their identity earlier, if you, if, you, if you heard that, right? It's like, even though you're a Christian, but many times you don't put on the identity of Christ. And, and because of the different, uh, you know, upbringings that we have, we may have gone through, um, you know, traumatic events, you know, through our upbringing and, and, and many things that we have done wrong ourselves, And the combination of those two things, Sanballat will use and remind you, you're not good enough, madam. You're not good enough, sir. Right? You're never going to be good enough. Do you remember your sin just yesterday? 
right? How many times have you done that? Why? I mean, come on, you, come on. I mean, we've been this road. I mean, you, 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 you are a failure. Do you know that, right? And so this thought starts to come to to a lot of people, in in our ministry, right? Like, how can God ever use me? Because I'm just a wreck. I'm I don't have value. I I, I you know. Have you, have you guys experienced that before? Like where, where you feel like I'm not worth it. God can't use me. Now God can use someone else, but God can't use me. You know why? Because we believe in that lie from Sanballat. That lie from Tobias saying, hey, you know what? Come on, give it up. You know who you are. You are that guy who lies and steal and everything and remind you of your past failures. And yet all at the same time, God's saying like, son, daughter, I forgive you. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. And, and then when you sin, God's still reaching out to you. And if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins, right? And cleanse you from what? Right? Not some. All. All unrighteousness. And so for, for, for many it's so hard to get past that because we can't forgive ourselves. And, and Satan used that to put a stronghold in you because you can't forgive yourself. And as a result, you don't have something to give to others. This is the tactics of the enemy. And you got to remember that. You got to remember that Satan is like a lion without teeth. Okay, remember that picture. Like he can, Rah! but then he can't really bite unless God gives him the permission. Remember Job? I mean, he, you know, he, Satan has to ask permission to mess with Job. And God has to give him specific permission. Hey, hey, you can do this, but not this. You can do that, but not that. Right? But all for the glory of God. Right? So remember that. Don't buy into the lies of, of sand ballot, the enemy in secret that feeds all these insecurities into your life and say, you can't, you can't, you can't, you're a failure, you're a failure. You fail so many times already, so, so give up. That's what Brian was talking about, right? I feel like 20 years, I feel like I, you know, you know, sometimes like, you know, there are times where I don't feel like there's a lot, right? you know, to account for, you know, is, is this worth it? Should we just pack up and, you know, leave? And by the grace of God, he said, no, no, I, I don't want to buy that lie, right? As long as I'm serving my employer, Jesus Christ, the Lord, man, I'm good. I'm good. And that is no small thing, guys. I mean, to give 20 years of your life, it's not like, yeah, I'll do it, man, that, that's a, that's a big thing. And, and I think no missions prep is going to prepare you for all that. You got you to gotta trust God every day to, to do that. Okay, so, so uh, know the enemy. So, so here's the key point. Key point number two, expect the enemy. And I put enemies, right? Because sometimes it's the minion, sometimes it's sand belt, but it's all the same spirit. Expect the enemies in secret to incrementally increase his volume as you gain traction in ministry. It's only when you gain traction in ministry. If you don't do anything, yay, I don't have to mess with you. I don't, I don't got time. I got limited resource, Satan say. 
But man, if you start to do something, you think about something, you're planning something, you're, you know, you are, you're rallying people with you. Man, I got, a, man, I'm, man, I got, I got a lot of demons in this group. Now I have to pull some off to get you. Man, that's right. But incrementally, the enemy will do that. But remember, 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 Satan is like a lion without teeth. And so uh, don't let that noise get to you. Come back to God. Come back to God. Trust in him. And, and we have a lot of these kind of things uh, happen throughout our ministry. Probably no time to talk about all of it, but we have people that oppose us, people that didn't want to see our organization established in, in, on campus. And in fact, verbally, we don't even know them. <laughs> Oh, no, we don't want FOI on campus. They are religious and they convert people, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, and by the grace of God, one of the, the, the uh, Indian students who is part of the Student Government Association, uh, she spoke out for us. She's not even a believer, right? But she spoke out for us and said, oh, no, 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 these people are good people. And, and, and because of like her long comment, it kind of stalled the agenda meeting and they ran out of time and they had to vote and we voted, we got voted in to the campus. That was how we got voted in. It wasn't like a unanimous, yay, yes. They want to pick up students, they want to love on people. No, 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 no. It was just like a, by our hair that we got in. Uh, a lot of people didn't want uh, 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 our organization on campus. And so if you want to tr try to do something, don't think it's going to be smooth sailing. Right, but but with that genuine relationship with people, it paid off. Did you see that? It paid off for us because that person like vouched for us, and God used that uh, to our advantage. And uh, we, you know, yeah, we have you know police come and try to stop us from different things as well. And so uh, you can come talk to me later. But many of these things, but man, a lot of the a lot of this is just barking, and it's annoying, and and it, it really does put fear in you, right? If you let it do that. If you let it, it will put fear in you. Okay, so let's go to uh, verse uh, 11 to 12. Okay, so so now, now Nehemiah is in Jerusalem. Remember, he was in Shusha. Okay, so now he traveled 1,800 miles to Jerusalem. He's finally there, and I guess not, not, not a, a big, I mean, it's a big road trip, but not much is said about that road trip. He arrived at Jerusalem, and he was there three days, three days. Very interesting, right? Three days. Three is a special number in the Bible. Ezra, when he was in Jerusalem, was also there. How many days? Three days. And, and, and again, three days we know Jesus Christ, right? He died, was buried three days, and then he rose again. So when you see three, right, uh, pay attention. God is doing something here. And so what, what is happening uh, let's, let's read uh, verse 11 and 12. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days, and I arose in the night, uh, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And so God was uh, wanting him to be discreet, right? So there's no welcoming party, although he was you know, sent from the king. Like, hey, just be discreet. Come out at night when no one is out. Uh, just, just a few people ride your horse. And I want you to see firsthand the situation in Jerusalem. I want you to see those walls. I want you to see those gates firsthand. Remember those walls were broken down. The gates were burned down. I want you to see it. Now, he heard it. He haven't seen it. Right? 
And, and so, so key point number three, leaders must understand the spiritual reality of the ministry at hand before giving a charge to the people of God. Okay. You have to know the lay of the land. You have to know what's going on uh, to understand uh, what's going on. And sometimes you don't want to just charge simply by saying stuff to, to your team members, people that are following you. You don't want to just give a charge for the sake of giving a charge to say something for the sake of saying something. You need to know what's going on, right? You need to know the lay of the land. And, 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 and so uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterward. If a ruler hearkens to lies, all his servants are wicked. And so, so Nehemiah wants to know what is the problem here, right? Because God is showing him something deeper than just broken walls and gates that are burned down. And, and so Proverbs 29, verse 11 to 12. No worries. And okay, so let's look at verse 13. Verse 13 and 14. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. I don't know how much you got that. But he's saying he went there, okay, and he saw this gate of valley, right? And, and valleys here is a picture of the trials of life. Trials of life. We, you know, that's where people stay uh, in the valleys, not in the mountain. And then, and very interesting is that this, this thing called the dragon well. Surprise, surprise. Okay. What, what, what is the picture of that? Again, dragon is Satan. So we know, we know again, the picture that God is drawing. The only time dragon well was, uh, is found in the Bible. And the word dragon is found 18 times in the Bible. And six and six and six, you know, it's right there all in the Bible. Okay. So people, man, they had the dragon well. But as far as the king's pool and the gate of the fountain, what is that picture of? The Holy Spirit, right? There was no access. There was no access. Why? Because there was so much rubbish on there that Nehemiah has to come down from his horse and they had to walk because the horse can't even get through it. There was so much rubbish and rubbles and, and, and stuff like that. They couldn't even get through it. And so I want, you, I want you to see that, that, that Nehemiah was looking at the root issue of what's happening in Jerusalem. Is that people's trials, right? How they deal with trials is they go to the, uh, they go to the dragon's well. And if you look at the context of, 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 of Nehemiah, the, group, the groups of people have been in an idolatry for a long time and they never really repented. Now, briefly, of course, they, you know, they, they want to, but they just don't know how to. Dragonwell is always present there. But the access to the king's pool, fountain gate, no access. You see that? And if you look at our team members, the team that you get to lead, or maybe even yourself, sometimes we do that. 
we have so much rubbish, right? So much stuff in our life that, that, that we, we don't have access to the Holy Spirit. We have so much stuff that clouds our mind, busyness and other things and sin and iniquity that we don't even engage with the Holy Spirit. And then we, and then we go to the dragon's well and seek advice from the world. Seek advice from the world. You know, Christians do that. Christians do that. And so when you find yourself, man, in a, where you have a team of people that does that, do you think you can mobilize that team to do the work of the ministry? Oh, no. Oh, no, you can't. Oh, no, you can't. And God showed this to us to, 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 to let us know firsthand, we need to know the spiritual vitality of the team members that we have. And so that we can then address that accordingly. And that's what happened in the next few verses. After that happened, then in verse 16, that, that Nehemiah then spoke to uh, uh, all the people. So uh, it says, And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did, neither had I yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. He kept quiet. He was discreet until he knew what was happening. So now in verse 17, then he gives that charge, right? So leaders, growing leaders, right? Ministry leaders, man, know what's going on, right? And, and if you are under someone, let your oversight, let your Bible study leader, let your pastor speak into your life because they may have something that you cannot see that God has given to your pastors to see. Right for ninety some years, they were stuck in that position. Remember Manachislu? I mean Manachislu, and and in that year, they got out of captivity. They have lived like this for ninety two plus years. No one saw it until Nehemiah got that view, got that insight. Hey guys, this is what's happening. And now he gives that charge, and then people are like, yes, yes. Okay, uh, man, I hope you get excited about this because uh, I get so excited when, when we can get real solutions to our life. Don't we want real solutions? I want real solutions for my life. And so there's so much application here that we don't have time uh, to do because, uh, you know, this, this whole verse 13 and 14, you can use that for counseling. You can use that for self-confrontation because, you know, you can ask, how, how does this person deal with trials and decision-making with their life? Anyone that you meet. Do they go, right, to the, the valley? Uh, do they go to the dragon's well, like the world's wisdom? Or do they go to the fountain gate? Very simple question. Like, how does your decision-making, uh, you know, take place, right? When I inspect their life, is it full of disorder and dysfunction and all the, you know, the, the baggage hasn't been off yet? Is it like that? Right? And then do, do, do they have peace in their life? Or is peace constantly gets interrupted because the Jerusalem wall is broken in their life? Jerusalem is, is, is peace. Right? And that's what God intends for Christians to have. And then have they lost their way? Uh, or or they, do they have vision? for their life because the gates were consumed with fire and, and know that gates are, are, are meant to allow certain things to come in and certain things to not come in. And when you don't have walls and gates, everything can come in. That's a problem, guys. You don't leave your door unlocked right at night for that very reason. And so spiritually, we can have broken walls, broken gates, 
And because we are not vigilant, we let everything and anything comes in. And then guess what? You know, carnality gets you, Satan gets you, and so on. Okay, so so let's go to uh, verse 17 and 18. Uh, verse 17 and 18 says, Then say I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in. This is Nehemiah uh, speaking now. Um, ye see, and I, he saw it, how Jerusalem life wastes, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more reproach. Uh, then I told them of the good hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Okay. Wow. That, that's all it took. With the right diagnosis came the right prescription. That was it. That was the prescription. And, and the people, they were motivated. They were charged. And so, guys, key point number four, someone out there, someone out there, someone out there, is waiting for our faith and testimony to jumpstart their ministry life. Right? Someone out there is waiting for our faith to jumpstart their ministry life. Man, would you be that person? Right? That will help diagnose, like, what's going on? Why are we not having fruit and, and so on? And how long should we be in this state? Right? When we already mentioned 92 years already. 92 years that they were in this state. Okay, uh, okay, we are um, out of time, uh, but I'll give you the I'll give you the um, key point five and six uh, in in summary. If you wanna go to the next one, okay. So 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 key point five here. What I want you to just pay attention on key point number five. Is, is this word Eliashib, Eliashib. This is the process, chapter three, is where they begin to build the wall. They begin to build the wall. And the word Eliashib, okay, and the priest that built the wall, okay, I digress. Eliashib, the meaning of Eliashib means God of conversion. I spoke that uh, to my brother there and sister there this morning, God of conversion. I get excited about this because and this is the sheep gate. And sheep gates represent the Lamb of God. And the Lamb of God represent Jesus Christ. Eliashib, the high priest. Okay, Eliashib means God of conversion. And what, what that pictures for me is only God can change you and me. Okay, as we build the wall. Only God can change you and me. Man, I can't, I can't self-improve myself to be more loving, to be more this. Now, you can try, but it never lasts, right? It never lasts. And how many times have you tried to change someone else, right? Don't we like to do that? We like to, I mean, I mean it's just, uh, you know, we, you know, I hear the story like, you know, the, the, the guy or the girl, they, they, they date someone. Oh, they're not this yet, but I can change that person. Have you ever heard that? Missionary dating. Missionary dating, right? And you think that you can, and, 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 and many times that, that, you know, for one out of 100 that works, you know, that's 99, that's a disaster, right? Don't let that one say, oh, but what about Julie, you know? 
uh, man, don't do that. But what I want you to recognize is we, we can't change ourselves and we can't change others. And that's why we go to our high priest. We go to a high priest because in a high priest, we found this name, Hananiel, uh, which means God is gracious. Isn't that cool? Like right in this verse here, that, that man, you go to God. Isn't that the case with our salvation by grace through faith? By grace through faith. How did you get saved? By grace through faith. And by, 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 by coming to God and say, I can't save myself. I can't save myself. And you come to that point, not just theoretically, but really in, in your know of knowers, right? I also heard the gospel many, like probably many times when I never connect, but when I saw my sin, I knew, I knew I can't, I can't save myself. And I call on Eliashib who can change me. And so everything you heard about, about the ministry rests upon going to Eliashib. God, I can't... Sh- I can't be that loving person that you need me to be. I can't be the person that you need me to be for that ministry. I can't do that. And I can't change my team members to be that person they need to be. I need to come to you and I need to find grace. And then, and then when you do that, Jericho means that uh, fragrant. Then you get, you get fragrant. And then uh, Zakor means that God remembers. Okay, and Imri means God has spoken because God has spoken. His word is good. Okay, uh, one last one, one last one. Okay, the fish gate, the fish gate. And so I'm going to sell you short on this because I got so much more for, for point number six. I feel bad that I'm not giving you the full thing. Uh, but but clearly, clearly here is about the fish gate and, and, and the charge here is to go fish often. Right to go fish often. How how do you learn how to pray, man? You start praying. You go into the scripture and you learn how to pray, and then you pray often. That that's all God asks you to do. You don't have to come up with special prayer things. You just come to God. He's a friend, right? And then how do you improve on 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 evangelism? You just go fishing. You just go fishing, and then and then and then by doing that. Man, you 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 you're gonna have more tools. You're gonna learn more things, and then soon, you know, sooner, you know, very very soon, you find that it's very intuitive. You find that you have in your tackle box uh, all kinds of lures, right? And you find that your casting of of your you know of your rod is gonna be so good. I mean, I, uh, you know, I like to fish, but I'm not a good fisherman in that sense. But I notice, like, when I go to with with these guys, and man, they always catch more fish than I do. I'm like, what's up? We are using the same bait and, and still I'm not catching as many fish. And I'm like, man, that, that casting, I mean, like, wow, right? And, and that pictures for us the approach, right? The approach on how. And, and so the how is, man, you, you just go, go fish. Go fish and go fish often. Okay, we, we, we're out of time. Let's pray. Um, thank you for your time. Father, we, we thank you so much. Uh, again, for your word, it's it's so rich, um, and God, I I I pray um, that you would um, dismiss us with your blessing and dismiss us uh, with just something for everyone here in this room because everyone is going through different things and and the needs are different. And so, God, uh, would you be that Jehovah Jireh, 
uh, to everyone in this room and, 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 and the whole church that they may get something from you from this conference and that they could then uh, just stick to that one thing that you have told them so clearly, so clearly wherever they're at and, and, and that they would just apply that blueprint because your word is trustworthy and it works. And so God help us not to fall into the trap of sand ballot, uh, of always telling us we're not good enough. You're not worth it. You are a failure. God, help us to, to, to see through the, the, the seed, uh, the lies of the devil. Because God, you want to use us. And you want to use broken people. You want to use weak people uh, to confound the wise and to change the world and to turn our cities upside down. And so God, would you do only what you can do? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thank you. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.